0: Welcome to episode number 55 and another installment of Direct Connections. This is another two-part episode, and back on the show to talk Mopars is our friend Johnny Mopar, and this time he brought our mutual friend Mike Coffee. You guys should know Johnny by now since he's practically my part-time co-host, and if you don't know Mike, you may have seen him on TV, but he's the guy with the very well-known bagged white Dodge A100 van. He also has a big block duster, and his most recent Mopar acquisition is now very well known because of its appearance in the December. 2020 issue of Hot Rod magazine. The car is even on the cover of the magazine and it is the perfectly patinaed 1970 Dodge Coronet RT in FJ5 sublime green with a 446 pack in the world famous Hurst pistol grip shifter. The car is an A34 super track pack car and next to a Hemi Probably the coolest Coronet RT you could get in 1970. And even then, some folks even prefer the 446-pack. So to each their own. Regardless, the car is absolutely awesome and only one of 97 made. On this episode, we even talk about how this car could possibly be the only one of its kind in existence with this specific color combo and options. So this was a fun show. There were a few audio glitches because of some minor connection issues, but nothing too bad. The gloves did come off in this one too, folks. So please be advised that there is some colorful language in this episode that may be unsuitable for younger listeners or those sensitive to four-letter words. So please be advised of that. But most importantly, enjoy the show with myself, Johnny Mopar, and Mike Coffey. Now... Without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast driven podcast on planet Earth. And I'm your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter. And this is Talking Mopars Direct Connections. You're listening to Talking
1: Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Talking Mopars. We have another episode of Direct Connections here. And once again, I have Johnny Mopar returning along with our mutual friend, Mike Coffey. If you're not familiar with Mike Coffey, he's a guy that has had a lot of Mopars and he does a lot of Mopar horse trading. And he recently got himself a very cool 1970 Coronet RT446 pack car that you may recognize from the cover of the December. Issue of Hot Rod magazine. So he's got himself a featured car and hot rod. The thing is badass, and we're going to talk all about it. Mike, how's it going, Johnny? How's it going? Welcome to the show. Yeah, there it is. What's up,
2: Chris? (laughs) Glad to be on the show. How are you doing, man?
0: Likewise. I'm doing good. I'm excited to, obviously, Johnny, I've talked to you so much. It's just like you're a staple of the show now. So what I want to get into today. Is Mike? Mike, I've seen you on social media for a while. That's how we met, and you have a lot of cars and even a van that I think are bad. It you still have the van, right? Because I want to talk about that too. All right, today, good. anyways. Oh yeah, <laughs> it may be for sale, folks. Actually, everything is for sale if you have the money. So anybody that doesn't have deep pockets, don't even bother trying to trying to buy any of Mike's cars from him. So. <laughs> I don't know about that. But <laughs> Mike, why don't you go ahead and tell us and the audience who you are, how'd you get into Mopars and what Mopars you've had? It's probably uh, a big list. We're you gonna don't have to
2: name them all. You don't have to <laughs> name them all.
1: Yeah, I don't think we could quite name all of them. Maybe uh highlight a couple of the better ones. Um well basically like I said, my name is Mike. I uh First car was a 74 Duster. Um, I knew nothing about cars when I was 16 years old. I thought that, you know, I I knew I wanted some kind of an old car or hot rod, but I didn't really know what. Um, I was looking at Nova's and a friend of mine, Robert Lightfeld, his dad, Butch Lightfeld, was an old racer in the area and kind of through Robert. Robert said, oh, don't buy a Nova, get a Duster. Dusters are cool. It's kind of like a Nova. Again, I knew nothing about it. I flipped through the little dollar sheet and found a seventy-four duster for six hundred bucks that a little old lady had here in town. And that was my first car. I, you know, scrounged up three or four hundred bucks and I think I got a couple hundred bucks from my parents and um it was a green on green seventy-four three eighteen automatic duster. So just nothing spectacular, but um it was pretty much all downhill from there. Yeah. <laughs> so so you started I,
0: you started with A bodies. Yeah. I uh
1: so back in those days that would have been uh mid nineties or so, mid to early well, probably earlier nineties. Um we went to all the local street races, me and all my friends, we all had well, most of us had Mopars. Um and of course I was always kind of the underdog. My friends had you know, a challenger with a big block in it, and a 70 Cornet with a big block in it. And I had a small block duster. Um, another friend of mine in the area, Ted Evans, he kinda I guess kind of took me under his wing a little bit. Um, they were Mopar racers that bought and sold cars and parts and um they had a yellow Velari um, that they called the taxi and you know <laughs> had a little cab company sign on the roof and um Ted's brother Ed was, you know, an old racer and always used to try to hustle me with the Valari and say, Oh yeah, you know, we could race our 318s. And we ended up, I I nicknamed him Lion Ed because come to find out, the 318 that he kept calling it was a built 340. And uh later on I built I actually bought that engine from them um at a killer price because they just totally hooked me up and uh put the 340 in the car and actually had a pretty quick car. And then um kind of just snowballed from then. And I, I got rid of that car. Um, got a seventy three forty four speed duster. That was a pretty clean, mostly original car. Um, had that for a little bit, got kind of bored with it because it was like a numbers car and it just wasn't as fun. You got
0: bored uh, with a numbers I, car. That's cool. <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I, I've, I've always been more... T- geared towards the performance end of it and drag racing and street racing. I mean, that's probably what kept me in it more than anything. Um, Now
0: you're from, you're from California, like Johnny, right? Yeah, I'm
1: probably about 45 minutes from from Johnny. I'm I'm in Hemet, Um, which Hemet would back then were like Riverside County. It was pretty well known in this area for street racing. And, you know, we had people from L.A. come out here and San Diego. And, you know, even on some of the newer street outlaws, they filmed out on one of our old streets. Oh, wow. Um, So it's, you know, it's been pretty well known out here for it. But uh, so I had let's see that 340 duster. Then I had a 73, 340 duster that I was building strictly as like a street race car. I got partway done with it. And one of my friends had a 65 Coronet and I got the 65 Coronet from him through the 340 in it and then drove it around as a driver. I mean, I was a broke kid that, you know, I worked in auto parts and it was just a car to get me back and forth to work. And, um, had the 340 and the 65 cornet because it was an easy you know easy swap from the poly 318 to the 340 um, ended up again Ted Evans helped me to put a 440 in it and we put a pretty healthy 440 in it 509 cam uh, ported 906 heads and it was it was probably a solid 12 second car that I put nitrous on and, was this uh, the
2: super stall car? yeah car. that was okay. the one
1: yeah 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 everybody knew it because it uh <laughs> they knew it for its uh, stall I, I, again being being you know a broke kid i didn't have the money to put a big converter in it yeah. and uh ted goes oh you know what i got this one he goes i think it's fucked up but we can put it in the car for now and <laughs> and it man and things stalled like probably forty eight hundred or something and it was my everyday <laughs> car. So I'm driving this, you know, pretty healthy big block with three inch exhaust and two chambers. And, you know, it was kind of uh just kind of the grungy, you know, street race car back in the day. Um, you know, we'd show up out at the street races like six deep in it and just piled in and, you know, thing just sitting on the ground and go out, make a couple passes, play around with people and um it never really did great. I mean, I think it probably on the bottle, it may have been a high 10 second car, which back then was, you know, pretty respectable. This was probably 96 or so. So, um, and then Mm -hmm. I completely basically made a U-turn out of Mopar's. Um, one of my close friends at the time, um, was super into mini trucks and, um, I was like, okay, you know, I go to these mini truck runs and there's hot girls everywhere and yeah. it's just a big party scene, you know, and I'm like, I don't know, 18, 19. And I go to these car shows and it's like, you know, fat, overweight men that are all like telling the things,
2: <laughs> I guess kind
1: of, kind of what we are now, but you know, yeah. it, was, it was kind of like, you know, it just wasn't, there wasn't anything that exciting about it. And it just, I got super into the mini trucks I had a Nissan hard body with, 17s and airbagged and um that's kind of where I went with it and then um settled down had a serious relationship you know so all of a sudden the party scene wasn't really working all that good anymore and I figured (laughs) you know what I'm gonna build another duster and that was uh uh 70 that was like a friend's girlfriend's grandma's car and it was again a green on green 70 duster um, it's always
0: green on green something is always green on green when you talk to Mopar guys they've had one Mopar that's green on green (laughs) yep
1: exactly and I first thing I did was pretty much gutted it out I uh, had a 400 uh, it was a new old stock 400 short block that I bought for it Um, it was when Edelbrock heads had first come out and I scrounged and bought some Edelbrock heads um, put a 509 cam in it and pretty much it started out. I just wanted to street race it. You know, it was just, the goal was to have like a solid low 10 second car that I could just go beat on. And, you know, and it pretty much turned to that, but then it snowballed and just turned more and more money. And then it, you know, it hit a point <laughs> where I mostly just raced it on the track after that, you know, I'd take it out every once in a while. And then uh, my day job, I work for the water district. So I have to maintain my driver's license and, sure, it, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, it, I'm like, you know, seven to 10 years from being able to retire. So I'm like, okay, I probably shouldn't play around like that anymore. So (laughs) over the last like five or so years, I've kind of gotten away from all that stuff. But but uh, yeah, that duster, it ended up uh, before I ended up selling it. I mean, I had the car for probably six or seven years, went through all different stages. Um, That's probably the car that most people knew me for like back on Moparts and all the forms. I was big block 70 duster and it was kind of okay. before everybody was doing big blocks. Um and it it was a fun car. It ended up with a five hundred inch wedge. Um it made eight fifty to the tires on a pretty healthy Easter shot. Jesus. Uh, wow. And yeah, it, it it was it was pretty pretty peppy. I mean I think my last eighth mile times were like six twenty range. So I mean it was it was a fun yeah. car and it was yeah. still Still had a back seat. You could drive it anywhere. My kids loved riding in it. I'd take them to school, and uh, and then from there it just kind of snowballed. I mean, then I, of course along the way there was probably I don't know a couple hundred Mopars that I owned during that time period. But that was kind of the staple car that I always had, always kept.
0: I wanted to ask you about that because Johnny, I believe, is the one who told me. Oh yeah, he's had hundreds, <laughs> and I'm like hundreds and have were they all a bodies or was it just any Mopar you could get your hands on um it was pretty much
1: anything I mean it started out with mainly dusters um when I got that 70 duster um I was given a 73 44 speed car that was just kind of a parts car and looking back on it I mean this was probably late 90s you know I totally should have saved it, but it was something where it was abandoned <laughs> in front of a friend's shop. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to mess with that. I just parted it out. And wow. uh, it, it, with that car, pretty much that's around about the time when eBay started. Um, okay. So any spare parts I had, I think one of the key things it had a Rimblow wheel on it. And I remember um, looking on eBay and seeing, man, those things are like 600 bucks. And I put it on eBay. And I got like, I got like 700 bucks for it. It was like, Holy crap. So I parted out the rest of the car. I used what I could for mine, parted out the rest, made good money, which I put back into the car. And then it kind of got me going thinking, man, I could buy these cars that are in fields and sell the mirrors and the steering wheels and you know, all the parts and, you know, make a few bucks. And that's pretty much what supported all my drag racing was just, uh, you know, kind of buying old junky cars in the area. And then it, it hit a point where, I don't know, somewhere in the early 2000s, it seemed like everybody was doing that. You know, everybody was buying and catching flipping on cars and, you know, trying to part out cars. And it it kind of hit a point where I, I kind of backed off of it and I had a better job. So I didn't necessarily have to do that to support my hobby. But um, yeah, it was mostly... I'd say mostly darts, dusters. Um I had a 71 charger that I bought pretty early on that I, I bought at like an estate auction. It was really a clean car for like 600 bucks, which uh as Johnny knows God. I've <laughs> never I've never I've never really been a fan of those cars. I mean yeah. I know a lot of people just love them, but i like, yeah. Sure. <laughs> the Is that the charger. silver one? <laughs> yeah. Um no, that one was uh the 71 was a red one. And it was, oh, it was red on black, three eighteen, and then yeah, somewhere later on, I had the silver one. Um, that one was a seventy two, I think, three forty
2: rally. Yeah. yeah, that was the car I remember. Yeah, that was that was and probably. It, it, you took a long time to sell that car because I remember you having it posted forever, and I'm like, fuck, oh, oh, yeah. man the price <laughs> the price was. I felt it was pretty decent, but that's yep. coming from a guy that likes third gen chargers. So, yep. you know, I think the, the average was, guy,
0: the price was decent. What was it? A hundred bucks, Johnny?
2: No, it was, <laughs> I think, I think you were asking, I think Mike was asking about 1500 bucks yeah, for I it. Say, if I remember.
1: I think I probably paid six or 700 bucks for it. And yeah, it was like 17 or 1800. Yeah. It wasn't anything. Crazy. And I think, I think yeah. that's one of the first cars that I remember, uh, Dave Freiberger reached out to me on, um, you know, cause I remember getting the email from him and I was like, man, you know, and then when he saw it was me, he goes, man, you got all the good cars. Cause he was always randomly emailing me on all these cars that, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was digging out of fields and whatnot. Um, but yeah. And then that's probably funny. one of the, the bigger things for me was, so let's see, I had the duster, um, I was building another 65 Coronet um, that i had kind of pieced together and I sold that to another local guy and I was on Moparts and uh, I made the, you know, or no, actually he went on Moparts and he posted, Oh, Hey, I bought Mike's 65 Coronet. And this guy popped on there and said, Oh, you want to buy another one? And he was local in the high desert. And I messaged him and he goes, yeah, he goes, I got two of them. And I was like, oh shit, this is perfect. You know, and he goes 600 bucks each. And they were they were pretty good cars. And I was like, man, this sounds pretty good. And I was like, well, what about the, in the background of one of the pictures, there's a 65 Belvedere. And I go, well, what's up with that one? And he goes, 600 bucks if you want it. And I go, okay, well, in the background of that one, there's a 63 Plymouth wagon. And he goes, 500 bucks. And 16 cars later at 600 bucks a piece, I bought 371 Roadrunners, a 69 <laughs> Roadrunner. Jeez, um, there was a 67 Barracuda, 273, four barrel, four speed. Um, that car was super cool. Um, God, I can't even remember them all. There was a 69 Coronet that had a munched quarter. There was another 69 Coronet shell. But I mean, all these cars were 600 bucks each. And... Uh, Holy shit. It,
2: see, see, Chris, it's not my just God. me. It's, I mean, it, oh my
1: God. it's funny because you would think, oh, that was a long time ago. But it's it's almost like I still find deals like this. You know, I mean, not quite to that level, but it, it's pretty crazy. But uh, sure. on that one, it, it turned out what it was was um, – the guy was a local Mopar Drag race racer. He had a super stock challenger he raced. And a friend of his had passed away and he was helping the widow to sell off all the cars. Um, and when this this guy had passed away, he had 47 cars. Um, he had a wing car, he had a 70 Hemi Roadrunner, he had a 68 Hemi Charger, um, uh, I mean a lot of just badass cars. 71, 383 CUDA convertible. Um, and I, I pretty much, you know, I got all the junk that was left over. Um, and this guy, I mean, I lived in like a track house with a three car garage and a little RV access, and I was having to sling these cars as fast as I could, because I just didn't have room for them. And he was bringing them to me daily. Um, early on, the widow had somebody come to their, come to her house and stole stuff from her. So after that, it was like, well, if you want anything, you have to basically buy it off of pictures and you know i'll deliver them to you so it seemed kind of shady at first but then once it started it was like holy crap and they just kept you know they had titles they were all legit um there was actually there was a uh, 70 sport fury gt that was probably one of the more rare cars that was in there that i got out of that Um, oh "Oh, shit 600 or something of them um And then from there, it it, uh, kind of snowballed into parts. Um, Like one of the pictures, there was a stack of bumper jacks on the trunk of a car. And I'm like, so what's up with the bumper jacks? And he goes, 50 bucks if you want them all. And there was like, I don't know, three or four Dodge Charger (laughs) bumper jacks in there. And at the time, those were like 300 bucks a piece on eBay. Uh, So, Yeah,
2: Yeah, if you don't know anything about Charger bumper jacks, those things are like freaking gold for whatever Whatever reason.
0: So I don't know, I don't know shit about them. So tell me, so they, yeah, they're only four chargers. Yes, yeah, Is that why they're so specific
1: really? and they have kind of like a cradle that's, um, it's kind of like the early, like 67, 68 Barracuda bumper jack. It looks kind of similar. Um, it has like a, instead oh, okay. of using the hook, it just has like a welded on cradle. <laughs> um, but they were, especially back then, you know, that was one of the parts that I knew if I got those, I could sell them, you know, it was, it was good money. So
0: but shit sure. <laughs> so I had yeah, no idea from,
1: from there I mean it was bumper jacks it was door panels it was the trunk of every car would be full of parts and these were all 600 bucks a car you know there was one there was a 62 dart that I bought from him the you know the B-body dart and uh, before he got there he goes man I'm glad I opened the trunks when I opened the trunk it was full of shaker parts and I was like oh man can you imagine oh. like like, yeah. But yeah, it was uh it was it was a pretty neat experience. Wow. So that's kinda of what really got me big in it. And then um going to the like the fall fling and spring fling, which is a local Mopar show in Van Nuys, I'd go to those and sell parts and um yeah, it's just like like Johnny said, more cars and more parts than you could even imagine. I mean it's it's been a lot. <laughs> it 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 hit a point yeah, probably uh, uh I'm going to say probably about 10 or so years ago. um, I kind of started getting a little bit more back into it. And it's, it's not really so much like a car flipping as it is. It's like, I guess it's just my hobby. I guess kind of like Johnny, where, you know, I tell myself no more cars, I'm done. I got my circle set up. These are the cars that mean the most and these cars can go. And then something else falls on my lap and it's like, Oh shit. Back to the drawing board. You know, now what, now what am I going to build? Uh, but uh my Gosh. current cars that I have that I'm planning on keeping that uh I, I don't think are gonna go anywhere are uh, I have a 71 duster that has a 496 in it um, kind of building a copy of what my old car was. <clears throat> it uh has a RMS front end on it um, all the Mustang two stuff, coil overs, um, willwood strange brakes in the rear, Dana 60. I mean it it's pretty much a stockish looking streetcar car um, that I'm hoping to get down to like 2,800 or so pounds and um, just basically kind of-
2: got big indie heads on it too. I mean, this thing is a gigantic beast sitting in the engine bay of this yeah, A-body. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of used to that. But-
0: Johnny, I don't like how you said A-body. I felt a little
2: disappointed. A that
1: Johnny might be stepping back into the A-body market. So,
2: I, yeah. Yeah. We could talk about that if you want, but well when you take have so many dog. fucking B
0: bodies that there's <laughs> no more room for B bodies, you gotta go down get them A bodies.
2: <laughs> Dude, I literally was at our club meeting and said this was on a Saturday, said I am done with A bodies, and I've said it many times, but I'm done with A bodies. I'll never do another one. My duster is the last one I'll own. And it was like three days later, my buddy is calling me up wanting to trade it, trade his Twister, a 71 Twister for the D100 that Dennis has. So he was asking if I got the truck back from Dennis because we've gone back and forth on it a couple of times, you know. And uh, I was like, no, I hadn't. He still has it. He keeps kind of wavering back and forth whether he wants to keep it or get rid of it. And I haven't had the money to buy it back. And if I had it, I'm like, I don't know if I'd want to trade it for, for the duster, you know. And then he gave me, he threw out a, a price I couldn't refuse. So, uh, yeah. Right now, the plan is to pick up this Twister. Back in the body game. Nice.
0: What's a, What's the story on? What's the story on that thing?
2: What what twister? kind of shape is it in? Yeah. It's in pretty good shape. It was a vinyl car, so it's got some cancer in the roof. He actually. Okay, so he actually got that duster from my buddy, John Jones, the guy that I got General Mayhem from originally. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then he bought a 340 off of me. This is like eight or 10 years ago. He had it gone through the machine shop and stroked to, to. Uh, is it a 416 when they stroke the 340s oh, yeah. or 418? I think it's a 416. Four, yeah, sounds like a 416. Yeah. yeah, 416. So he's got this built uh, short block, some three forty parts, a seven twenty seven and eight three quarter. So, you know, I I don't know if you know the twisters. They're kind of like, I call them kind of like the poser car because they have all the three forty stuff. It makes it look badass. Shark tooth yeah. grill, yeah, dual scoops on the hood, the strobes. This one's even got the gull wing in the back. Um, But it's all you know, it's three eighteen and all the weak you know drivetrain stuff. So. But he's got all the stuff to upgrade this thing. So, yeah, I'm going to – I I can't turn it uh, I'm down. So, all right. It'll I'm be, be on the outside of the circle
0: anyway, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know a guy that's in the dusters. So a, if, if that I'm happens – <laughs> I actually <laughs>
0: – I live vicariously <laughs> through you guys. That's fine. That's fine. I'm cool with that.
2: <laughs> I actually wanted I, – I warned Mike. I said – Think about all the dusters you bought, because on the episode, I want to ask you how many dusters you've owned. I wasn't going to ask how many Mopars. It's like uncountable. How many dusters? And I'll let Mike answer it. It's got to be in the hundreds. I mean, I
1: I know I made a list years ago, and it was like, I want to say of just all the cars I'd had, and this was probably 10 years ago, I want to say there was like five or six hundred. Um so there's there's been a lot definitely I mean in dusters I mean <laughs> I think uh
2: I I think I see the blood draining from Chris's face right now <laughs> I, I think I've pretty much
1: yeah, had I mean, all. I've had 70 through 76 I've had dart sports I've had 340 cars 360 cars uh four speeds automatics three speeds pretty much all of them um yeah there's been quite a few of them
0: um, let me ask you this, Mike. If you had to, let's just let's put you in a hypothetical position here. If you could have one back, which one would it be? I mean, when you have that many, there's got to be one that was, you know, like, oh god. It Does it have to be one, one of the one.
1: dusters or just any Mopar?
0: Let's go with the duster, and then I'll let you play and um, <laughs> pick up one, 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 one of
1: your Mopars. But, uh, I would say. I could probably narrow it down to three. I would say either the one that I had that had the big block (laughs) in it with the nitrous that made 850 to the tires. Um, I sold it to a guy in Arizona or sorry, in Australia. Um, he, uh, he was a drag racer out in Australia, race pro mod. And, uh, he called me on the car and he's basically told me a story. He had brain cancer, didn't have a long time to live. And, um, Basically he goes, I just want the car. Cause he goes, I know I'm not going to live long and I just want to go do nasty burnouts. So he bought the car strictly just to go do burnouts in. And I've I heard later on that he didn't make it till when the car got to him, which was kind of a bummer. And then I guess the car got tied oh, in some kind of a, who gets it type of thing with his wife or an ex-wife and previous or been current wife, or there was some kind of a sticky deal where it, you know, who knows where the car went to. Um, but that one, I mean, I, I regret it other than the fact that I think when I sold it, I was kind of done with it. Um, it was at that pivot point of it was too fast for what it was legal to do. And it was like, okay, do you cut the roll bar out or add to the roll bar or start redoing the car, um, or just start fresh. And at the time I thought, Oh, I'll just start fresh. And here I am 10 years later and I'm still not done. So, um, but that, that car was one of, um, probably my first duster just because even though it was a 74, it was my first car. So, you know, um, yeah, yeah. And then I'd say those are probably, I think those have probably been probably the, the biggest two, <laughs>
0: um,
1: yeah, that, that's, those are-
2: that's that's how i i I remember mike so i've known mike for probably 18 or 20 years i'd say but i've known of mike for probably i don't know 25 30 years because i was buddies with Mm -hmm. ed and and ted so i'd always stop by these guys would do bitch and fab work and they always had mopars all over their yard you know um how I met them was I used to ride my my motorcycle, my street bike by their place all the time. And there's like this killer seventy drag car challenger sitting in the uh I guess like the porch area of their double wide mobile home, you know. And then there was a shop in the back and there was just like rows of Mopars. And I love burnt orange cars, and they had a 70 Roadrunner burnt orange with an air grabber. It was a 383 four-speed car, and I kept seeing the car, kept seeing the car, and I'm like, I always thought, well, having that many Mopars, he's going to want a lot of money for it. So one day I stop, and he's like, the car is still there, but he's like, I just sold it a week ago. And I I was it's like devastated because it's like, shit, I should have stopped the first time I saw the car. How much did you sell it for? It was missing the motor, but it was like 1500 bucks back then. And then I've always stopped and BS'd with them, you know, throughout the years. But they'd always tell me about Mike. And when me and my buddy Eric were going to the street races in Hammett because Hammett was like, it was hot for old school muscle cars, street racing out there. And I remember Mike showing up in the green duster. It was like all his, buddy, like, I don't know how many guys, I don't know how you got that many guys in your car. There must've been like six guys in that freaking little duster. (laughs) It was
1: uh, was good times.
2: Yeah, (laughs) (coughs) it was. That was some damn good times. A lot of crazy. And I think kind of the same. I knew
1: Johnny from You know, kind of the same hearing stories, you know, through Ted and Ed. Um, And then I think the first time I met him was uh, he had in the recycler um, some coronet parts. And I bought a 68 coronet trunk lid from him. I had a 68 coronet that I was flipping. And uh, I remember going over to his place and same thing, you know, track house, kind of little RV access. And he took me into the backyard and it was just like, holy shit, I've never seen so many chargers in my life. I was like, now I know where they're all at, you know? And I'm like, holy crap. Like, I don't even know that I've even, at that point in my life, even seen more than one or two chargers. And there, I remember it seemed like there was 20 of them back there, even though that's probably an exaggeration, but uh, yeah. No, there there was was one. I remember talking to him and him saying, you know, well, when I was a teenager and, you know, I, instead of buying, you know, stupid stuff teenagers do i bought chargers and it was like damn you know this dude was pretty freaking smart because he had all these badass cars yeah uh,
2: it wasn't smart it was an addiction i just oh, yeah. loved those cars i'd grab every one i could but yeah that that backyard i didn't have any grass it was all dirt in the backyard and i had cars all down that RV axis Mike's talking about, all the way around into the backyard, like all the way against oh, the fence. There was stat. full. The yard was full.
0: <laughs> See, this is why I like bringing guys like you on because I hear these stories and I'm just like, fuck. I, I, have, to, I have no choice but to hear the stories and live vicariously because I just, I can't believe it's it must be something it's got to be california the desert or something i don't know it seems like a lot of people that i talk to that are from southern california it, they have stories like that you know somebody they well, know has 100 chargers or something crazy
2: yeah. you know it's, well i think i think this region is kind of unique because it's very dry it's very deserty and the cars just they they don't rust and then Everything, it was sort of rural. I mean, it's more populated around here now. But shit, 20, 30 years ago, it was more rural. So when people bought cars and they drove them for 10, 15, 20 years and then it stopped running or they bought another car, they just parked them in their yard and they just sat there. You know, nobody was – There's no code enforcement back then forcing people to go take them to the boneyard and stuff like that. So I think they just went into this hiatus for – you know, 20, 30 years. And they were just there for the the picking, you know, they were everywhere. Yeah.
0: It's got to be a combination of that. And I mean, I would argue to say that you guys down there probably were the hotbed of street racing during that period of time. And I mean, just from all the stories I hear, I don't know if, if I mean the way I see it or the way I imagine it in my head is especially you guys are talking about early mid 90s when you guys are going down the street races yeah so i mean that was probably was it all muscle cars because i know the import scene was kind of it pretty much blew yeah, up in I, southern california so were they kind of mingling it, with you guys or what how did that
2: work out i yeah. i remember I was, just seeing muscle cars but i was probably yeah. ignoring out, out here in <laughs> mostly
1: muscle cars you would get like the fox body mustangs with pro or you know superchargers and whatnot okay um when i got into the mini truck stuff in the mid to late 90s that's when all the honda import stuff was really catching on and i did all that stuff in ontario and san diego and um and it was yeah it was stupid i mean it was entertaining but you know going from watching yeah. you know 10 second muscle cars on the street to watching fourteen second Honda's, you know, there's no comparison, you know. It, it was fun and again it was a different <laughs> scene, but uh Sure. Yeah, definitely. You know, the the muscle car stuff was where it was at. But I'd say for sure SoCal definitely I mean, there was a lot of fast cars and a lot of the guys that were into it back then are they're still players in it. You know, they're just uh everybody's moved on and everything's gotten a lot faster. So
0: yeah that's one thing that I don't know if I suppose there had to have been a culture of the really really fast cars before the street outlaws and all that before it got televised I imagine that because you see it now and you're like okay those really aren't street cars at least when the show started i'm I'm looking at it like okay you know when I think of street race I think a guy yeah I think a guy's driving to the i mean I'm sure I, I've seen it a couple of times where guys trailer their cars, but street racing around here is nothing like it is in California. And um, I just see the the types of cars that I see in those shows. I'm like, how many of those really existed before the show? You know what I mean? Did you guys see that a lot guys trailering their cars and cars that really weren't street cars getting raced?
2: Well, like when Mike, what Mike was talking about, like guys from LA, like the big guys they would come out they would trailer their cars out and those cars were like oh, okay. no joke they were stupid fast but they were still i would say they were still street cars they yeah. were funny yeah, I mean, cars back then you know we'd have
1: you know on a big night when there was a lot of people out you might have 10 15 trailer cars and it was more so that they came from you know different areas but um, definitely for me oh, like okay. towards the end of when I started kind of getting out of it it uh, which let's see that would have been I don't know, I guess probably early 2000s or so. Um, It definitely, I mean, it was getting more and more radical and you're starting to see like full-blown race cars out there that were open header that were coming out and, you know, and that was, and I've I've talked to some of like even the street outlaw guys and even those guys will tell you that it's street raced. It's not that they're street cars, you know, because everybody, oh, those aren't street cars and nobody's nobody's claiming that they are, you know, they're and they're on such a new level now that, you know it it, it's pretty insane i talked to them up in uh sema at sema like probably six or seven uh, probably six years ago and that's when those guys were first like dipping into like the fours and it was you know yeah i was talking to uh, (laughs) sean Muranova and he was telling me he goes man the difference in fives and fours is just night and day um and at the time i had a big tire duster that probably would have been like a mid to high five second car and i'm thinking holy shit you know a four second quarter mile street car that's you know and they're now those guys are dipping into the high threes you know it's it's insane they're just a whole incredible.
0: yeah that's but, absolutely insane yeah. <laughs> i i'm sitting here dreaming of a maybe yeah. someday i'll have an 11 second car or a 10 second car <laughs> yeah it's it's nuts um so mike What do you have in your stable now? Um, I have my 71 Duster. I have the
1: 66A100 that's bagged and channeled. Um, And then I have the 70 Coronet RT 440, four-speed, six-pack, super track pack, FJ5 green. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's (laughs) that's the car that everybody wants to talk about right now, but (laughs) I'm going to make them wait a little bit longer. Um, So... I first learned of you, Mike, because of the A100. I was like, "Who owns this A100?" I saw it for sale. I think I posted it on the Mopar Hunter Facebook yeah. page or something. I saw it for sale, and I was like, "Okay, I'd love to have that. Um, I can't afford it, but I'd love to have that." And I, I just want to know the story behind that car. Did you or that uh, van? Did you decide, you know, I'm going to go get an A100 and you know, slam it, or how did how did that all um, come to actually come a to be? pretty
1: good friend of mine and he's in my truck club. Um, his name's Troy Hamilton. Um, he's up in Utah. He built it, geez, a long time ago. I'm going to say it's probably been eight to 10 years. Um, maybe even longer, longer. Um, but when he was building it, I remember him showing pictures and whatnot. And I was like, man, if you ever get rid of that thing, you know, I got to have it because me being an ex mini trucker and a Mopar guy, it was like, the best of both worlds and it's kind of a love-hate relationship with the thing, which is why you've seen it for sale. Um, so anyways, he, uh, he got it done with the slant six in it, um, drove it a little bit. Um, he sold it and I was bummed out and I told him, man, you know, I can't believe he didn't tell me. And, um, he ended up buying it back probably, I don't know, a year or two later, um, had it for a little while longer, didn't do anything with it. He I want to say he pulled the 6 out. Um he had a magnum 360 for it. And that's pretty much where it was. And he hit me up and the price was right and I drove up to Vegas, met him, you know, cuz he's from Utah. Um picked it up up in Vegas and you know, I was just like, man, I can't believe I finally got this thing. I was so stoked. Um and then the 360 I didn't want to mess with the 360 Magnum. Uh, mutual friend of mine and Johnny's Dennis had. I'm pretty sure it's out of the A100 or uh, D100 that he has.
2: It is. Um, it's- yeah, it's out of the silver truck. The uh, you've seen pictures of the lowered silver truck when I used to have it. The D100, the 76. The Dennis pulled that 360 out to put a big block into it, and Mike bought the my or I think. It was some horse trading or something like yeah. that, right? You ended up so with a three sixty. That's that's the engine uh, that's in the A one hundred now.
1: Um, and it's seriously, it's one of those things that it it doesn't need a lot of work. I just I I guess I'm always sidetracked with other stuff, and it's kind of like the stepchild of my cars. That like there's always something that's more exciting to work on, <laughs> and I'll go out and I'll start messing with it. And um, <laughs> since I've had it, um, a friend of mine, Gavin, is. Uh, He's Slim's fab is what he's most known for. He's a bike builder does custom choppers and that kind of stuff. And I don't know if you remember on the one roadkill where they did the stubby Bob, um, the wheelie popping truck. Um, yeah, they show the guy that has a Chevy van yeah. that's Mopar powered. That's, that's slim. Um, they called it the street sweeper. It's a chop oh, okay. van. Um, He's had two of them. One had a 440, one had a 360, um, engine in the back with a V drive. And they are these crazy wheelie popping vans. Um, but it, he did a bunch of work oh, on yeah. it. He's long time friend of mine. Um, did a bunch of metal work on it, basically kind of finished it. And it's pretty much to the point. Now it just needs like some wiring fuel lines, exhaust system, you know, it's down to just a little stuff. Um, but like I say, I just I'll I'll go and I list it because I get bored with it. And just recently I had somebody hit me up that wants to buy it. And I'm like, man, I don't really want to sell it. I don't know. And I actually sold it at one point and then I ended up buying it back. So it, it's, yeah, <laughs> like I say, love, hate relationship.
0: But it's definitely. It's think. a cool van. God, that thing is cool. I uh, I'm kind of <laughs> one of my best friends is a mini trucker or was a mini trucker. So when I got introduced to airbags, <laughs> I immediately thought, cause I was never really, you know, the low riders and stuff, I just wasn't really into it. Um, I, I respected the builds and stuff, but just wasn't my thing. And my buddy buys this little Mazda B22 and uh, you know, it's bagged. And he eventually body dropped it and did all the crazy shit to it. And I was just like, okay, that's insane. we, we started going to mini truck shows And I was just seeing all this insane fab work. And I was just like, oh, (laughs) they were crazy. And it's funny because the mini truck scene was kind of like what I imagine the old school van, like the van craze was kind of like it was kind of like the modern day version of that, where you go to those shows and it was just insane. You know, girls, just the parties. It was it was pretty crazy. Um, But that van. God, I'm, I remember when I saw that van because I've always had a thing for vans and I hadn't really seen one that slammed. I mean, it looks like it's beneath the surface of the earth. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, this thing is, it's, it's badass. I wish it, I could it. lays on it.
1: the rockers. Um, it's, it's, it, it's actually cool. set up to where you could put a, a pretty tall tire on it and still have it lay flat on the rockers and aired up. It actually sits, not I don't really want to say remember. stock, but probably close to stock. It's,
0: yeah it's yeah. how uh, how low can you get it where you can still functionally turn the wheel in the <clears throat> front and make turns um, and nothing since uh
1: i just fairly recently i had 15 inch steelys with dog dishes and i put the astro supremes on it the uh the offset on them is a little bit different so i think with those i would have to have it aired up pretty good but i need to get the right offset wheel and then you should be able to drive it you know probably two inches off the ground roundabout maybe maybe two or three awesome Um, but yeah it's it's i i think what i like about it it's just it's one of those different vehicles that you know you don't ever see and then like i say the mini trucker and then the mopar stuff and then growing up as a kid my dad always used to tell stories about his hot rod dodge van that he had and the few pictures of it that i had it it looks you know kind of similar except his was you know, roached out in the back awesome. and big wide mags and all that <laughs> stuff. So, so I've kind of always been a van guy too.
0: So. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something that really pisses me off about your van. <laughs> now, don't take offense to this. So I'm a van, I'm a van guy too. And I'm work, I'm trying to work a deal on this old Dodge van. And because I like, I like my cars low, you know, depending on what it is. Not like Johnny, he slams everything, but (laughs) um, I try. (laughs) Yeah. uh, So I'm like, okay, I want to see some pictures of some vans on, on bags or lowered Dodge vans. And every time I Google that shit, all I see is that a 100. Okay. I swear to God. I'm like, is this the only fucking bagged van out there? I know it's not, but when you bagged Mopar van, bag dodge van oh, yeah. dodge van lowered oh. <laughs> it's mike's van all oh, it's plastered all over the yeah, internet definitely. it's insane so that's my oh, that's my it, beef with any because i i think there's
1: <laughs> oh. as far as dodge goes there's um there's one other guy that's doing one right now that you put a small block Chevy in it um and it lays out pretty good and then there was one that uh they did on Wheeler dealers that uh, my friend Dallas actually did work oh i like um, that one and that one's pretty cool i think yeah. it's actually for sale right now on ebay but they want
0: it is i forget how much it was but i remember i was like oh, i think i should have yeah. bought it for when it was 30 and it's, <laughs> it's, like it's kind of the typical God. tv
1: car you know it's not i mean it's not really perfect yeah
2: it's it's cool
0: yeah sure <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> hey so speaking of tv shows and i don't know what you can talk about. But how many TV shows have you been on? Um, I mean,
1: all in all, I I was in the background on a storage wars a long time ago, and that was just kind of a freak thing. Um I yeah.
2: That's where I know you'll buy that, that. <laughs> Mopar parts in there. I'll yeah, buy the,
1: the whole the thing. Me. Not only do I do Mopars, but anything automotive, collectible, old signs, you know, I'm into all that kind of stuff. Um, so I've always, and I grew up, my mom was an antique dealer and, you know, like I grew up on her hip going to yard sales and searching for treasure, you know? So I think that's kind of where the, uh, I don't know, kind of Mopar picker in me comes out. But, um, so I did, I was on, I was in the background on one of those shows. Um, I did car warriors, um, myself and some friends, we did a, a build, it was like a 48 hour build off on speed. Um, and we did a seventy-two Nova.
0: Yeah, that was one. Jimmy
2: Shine, right? That
1: yeah, was
0: like Jimmy.
2: Jimmy Shine show.
0: Yeah, on the channel speed no, or I, on the drug speed.
2: I, I... I
1: drank enough. Five, I drank enough five-hour energies on that drink or on that show that seriously, like I might as well have done some speed. But uh, it, it was crazy. But I mean, oh, it was funny. it was a pretty legit deal. We went into you know the shop, and in 48 hours, there was two teams, and we both built LS3 swapped uh, 72 Novas, full paint, full interior. I mean, it was it was a pretty neat neat experience.
0: That was the show where you each yeah. had the same car, right? Isn't, isn't that what the premise of the show was? Okay. Yeah. See, I, there's so many car shows. I, I lose track yep. of them all, but that one sounded familiar. I'll have yep. to see if I can find that. Cool. So what other, uh, what other so, star power do you got?
1: It's all pretty small stuff,
0: but, um, <laughs> I did,
1: uh, last year on, um, discovery, they had, uh, last year or year before they had one that was called sticker shock, um, that was, Basically you I remember your car that show, on yeah. there and they tell you what it's worth. Um and I was actually on the first episode, the very first car. Um I brought a 70 charger RT that was somewhat of a survivor car. Oh actually, I, yeah. So yeah,
0: I remember that car. <laughs> yeah. Um but Shit. <laughs> Now that I think about about it, yeah. Because my wife and I, we were watching the show and we were trying to guess what it was going to be worth. Of course, I won. So if she ever listens
1: to this. And and, and that (laughs) was so funny because that was a perfect example of everybody told, you know, after that show aired and they, you know, they asked me on the show, what do you think it's value-wise? And I I had a pretty good idea, even though I, of course, I kind of played like, oh yeah, I think that's all it's worth. But uh, it pretty much sold for, right on with what the show said it would and with what i said it would and everybody was going oh it doesn't run it has rust in the roof it was like it's a y3 cream which is like one of the rarest colors in a 70 charger rt it, in an original car the only thing that had been swapped somebody put a four-speed in it and it was an automatic and who's gonna bitch about a four-speed so i mean it was it was a pretty cool car but.
0: yeah that's I remember thinking, I remember looking at my wife and going, you probably uh-huh. are seeing a piece of shit, but I would drive <laughs> the shit out of that car.
2: <laughs> yeah, that car had nice patina. That was the kind of car you throw yeah. some wheels, and tires on yeah. it, get it running, maybe a vinyl top and just leave it alone.
0: How long ago was, was that? that God, yeah, maybe that two, three years a ago. A few maybe. years ago? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I remember the car. As soon as you said that show, I was like, uh, in my head while you're talking, I was like, oh, it was the Charger. I guarantee it was the Charger. <laughs> I,
2: that, that's, that's awesome. Your question yeah, before, what cool. car
1: would I probably get back? I'm going to say that's probably one of the, again, top couple non-A-body cars that if I could have back. Yeah. Um, It's funny because I really wasn't a fan of, and Johnny knows this, of 70 Chargers. And I actually sold yeah. that kind of with the intent of looking for a 68 charger, which I ended up buying from Johnny. So it was kind of funny the way it worked out. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, he actually I sold, sold one. one. Believe it or not, I sold one.
0: He probably got I, five I, times what he paid I, for it too.
2: <laughs> I, I saw it sitting man. on
1: the outer circle at his place and I knew it was my time to, it
2: was to get it. He saw the ring. You saw the ring like just barely move in and he just struck I
1: was right and yeah <laughs> i that funny. one i actually um i mean i I put some parts with it when I sold it, and I made a few bucks on that one, and it you know it it actually worked out really cool, believe it or not a uh, um i want to say sixteen seventeen years old bought the car oh, and like within like a year oh. and a half of buying the car, the thing is beautiful, fully restored, and this was a f- full blown basket case really i mean it was. It was pretty much a mess, and this wow. this kid built a beautiful car out of it. I mean, he worked, earned the money himself, and did most of the work yeah. himself, and you know, his, of course, with the help of his dad. But yeah,
2: Mike wow, tortures that's... me with the videos of this car he sends over. It's like, Fuck. why can't I get a car done in like a year and a half?
0: Because <laughs> you, you have thirty of them, and you're
2: it, yeah, and tortures me every <laughs> time he
1: sends me a picture. I'm like, man, that thing looks amazing, you know, but. Um, which actually, my reasoning for selling yeah. that one was yeah. to buy the white-on-white white 68 Charger that I sold to get the 70 RT. So, I mean, there's there's kind of always a method to the mayhem. It's just right. juggling.
0: Yeah. I love that Charger, too. God, white-on-white. White. Oof. Yeah. 68, too. That's my—I yeah, like 68s. Uh, there's something about a 68 Charger there perfect but that was a perfect segue Mike uh let's talk about the coronet let's talk about the the six pack in the room um so you know Randy
1: yeah. from so archeology. I actually met Randy when I was on sticker shock Randy was one of the appraisers on the show
0: okay um, okay that's where I okay <laughs> it's all making sense to me now it's all oh, and out. I okay. Okay. You yeah. Know, basically on the
1: show, I met a few people. I, I went on the show, a friend of mine um, was one of the producers for the show. And he's like, man, you got to bring something on here. Cause you're always, you always find cool shit and you always come up with all these cars and whatnot. And I had just bought the charger. I sent him a picture and he said, yeah, let's do it. Um, so I met Randy on the show. Um, didn't really know him, just followed him on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you know, back and forth we talked here and there you know because he buys estates and like i say being that i'm kind of a junk hoarder likewise you know with you know just buying random shit old shit um there was a few yeah there was a few times that i reached out to him (laughs) um he's doing an estate out in anza which is like a little hole in the wall city out in the middle of nowhere from here where it's like meth labs and old people and it's really a weird place (laughs) um anyways he's got an estate out there that he's handling and i bought a 73 six cylinder um three speed on the floor duster from him just a couple weeks ago um but out on that estate there was a few things i was interested in and i messaged him back and forth on that stuff and he kind of out of the blue messaged me and said well wait till you see what I'm you know, this next estate I have. And he sent me the first picture he sent me was the 70 Cornet RT. Um, and I was just floored. I was like, holy shit, where did he find this thing? The next picture was the 69 charger 500 in the garage. Um, and then the next picture was the under the hood of the 71 Hemi challenger. Um, that's the one that Troy Mopar's 5150 bought. Um, and it was just like mind blowing, you know, instantly I was like, holy crap, you know, oh, yeah. where, where did you find these? And then, oh, and there was a 69 Charger RT in the background. And then he sent me pictures of course of the Shelby Mustang that was part of it as well. 68 Shelby thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I pretty much, you know, I, I told him, you know, Hey, I, I know you're an expert in what you do, but I know Mopars well. And if, you know, if you want a hand with any of it, I'd be happy to, you know, crawl under them and get numbers for you and check numbers and match numbers and, you know, just kind of tell you what goes with what cars, if there's any question or, you know, what's correct for what car. And, and he was pretty much, you know, on board with, yeah, you know, that sounds, sounds good. Any help, you know, and he kind of said the same thing that, you know, I, I'm, I know a little bit about everything, but I'm not a Mopar expert by any means. And, um, <clears throat> so yeah. So you slithered yeah, on yeah, in, slithered it was, on it in. Kind of, you know. And right off the bat, my wife yeah. was telling me, "Don't even get excited about these cars. You know damn well you're not going to have a chance in hell at touching any of them." And uh, I, I mean, because she she knows, you know, instantly. Like there's this thing where I'm like, you know,
2: yeah, I'm like, he's oh, going to touch. You them.
1: know, I, I can't believe somebody else found him and I didn't. You know, um, but uh, so I. I don't know a couple weeks went by and i you know and likewise i told him i'd be interested in purchasing any parts you know and he pretty much told me the story um mark the owner that had these cars um he passed away i believe back in march um he basically bought these cars back in the 70s held on to them. um the coronet i have the receipt Um, from when he bought it in Tucson in 1974 for $975 and the, uh, I want to say the Hemi Challenger, I think he bought in, I believe it was 72 or 73, um, in Lancaster. Um, the charger was supposed to be like a parts car. And then the charger 500, I want to say, I think he bought like in the early eighties for like five or 600 bucks. Um, so he had had all these cars, you know just from the get-go and he had a bunch of random parts and um he was military he hauled all the stuff with him when he moved from place to place but ultimately he was you know went back to tucson where he had lived and uh i think a big thing for the cars they sat because they all had to be smogged in, in Arizona they were still they had to be smog so <laughs> i think that was right that's uh, insane so i think that was a big part of why they sat because what? you know he would have had to smog each one you know and then of course there's people go oh man i can't be- can't believe he let all these cars go to hell and it's just like it, it's like myself or of course, <laughs> you know if you have 3 cars try and maintain you know the heat this guy actually all together i think he had seven or eight cars so try and maintain seven or eight cars obviously you don't have room to all of them in the garage yeah um you know he had a business he used a shop space for his business and you know the car sat outside but so they're weathered from being you know in arizona heat but all in all i mean the condition of them is just amazing you know the coronet It's you know, the paint's cooked (laughs) off of it, but it's gonna get a little bit of touch up. It's actually right now, um a friend of mine, Dave Martinez, um, he's doing the he's fixing a little bit of rust around the back window, which was the only rust in the whole car. Um, putting a new headliner on it, putting a vinyl top in it, and then um pretty much from there we're gonna touch in a little bit of the green and kind of buff it out to keep it looking, you know, blend the sides so it'll look original, but you know not be rusty where if i leave it outside you know, you know, you know,
0: sure <clears throat> yeah but, the uh the i've never seen a patina bumblebee stripe yeah. before it is it's the coolest i, I want a picture yeah. of that. it just looks so damn cool i i saw that and i was like you've got to be shitting me that is the coolest stripe i've ever seen because i've never seen i'm sure they're out there and i just haven't paid I, close enough attention but the car is the right color it just it, it checks all the boxes. If you're into ratty Mopars and uh, I just, I love that car. When I saw, when I heard that you got it, I was like, of course he did. <laughs> guy. Um, but yeah, I, I was happy. Cause I was like, Oh, at least I know the guy and I can at least get, you know, an inside look and see all these pictures of it. So very cool. So you get there when, I, I got to break this down. Cause most, most Mopar guys, a lot that listen to this show are sitting there. That's like their dream to find one of those cars. (laughs) And you go out there, and you've you have your eyes set on this, believe it or not. (laughs) So
1: I actually, here we go. (laughs) At first, I really, really, really had my heart set on the 500. Um, I I was just, you know, to me, the kind of the racing history of a 500 and everything else. I was like, And then it's in Absolutely. such good condition because that was the car that was in the garage. And I was like, man, I would take this thing, put some 17 inch black steel wheels on it. You know, maybe those low profile red line tires, chrome lug nuts, slam the thing, put a big nasty yeah. motor in it. And I mean, it would just be amazing because it's it, that one I think of all of them was the only one that wasn't numbers matching was the 500. <clears throat> So, uh, so anyways, the, the way it ended up working out was, um, a couple of weeks went by after Randy shared the pictures and he said, well, I'll let you know. Um, he went out there, um, took a bunch of pictures, um, kind of gave me a rundown of what it was. And basically he said, Hey, I'm going to bring back a truckload of stuff. You can make an offer on it and we'll see if everything works between us and, and go from there. So I bought a bunch of parts from him. Um, and he said okay well we'll see how the rest of it goes he went out a couple weeks later brought ended up bringing all five cars back with him um on you know a a car transporter and um he called me up and said hey man the cars are gonna be out my house you know if you want to come help unload and check them out and you know at this point i still didn't think i had any shot in the dark of buying any of the cars but i you know i I wanted to try anyways. Um, And not only that, I just, I really, I wanted just the opportunity to be a part of it was so, so cool because, you know, how do you ever come across something like that? You know, I, I got to sit in a 71 Hemi Challenger that's unrestored, you know, like that was so cool.
0: Thanks for joining us on the show today. Part two will be out within the next week or so. So be on the lookout for that. It's always a great time talking Mopars with my friends. And this is just one of many, many, many more to come. This episode was actually supposed to be the first live stream Direct Connections episode. But due to technical difficulties on my end, we couldn't make it happen. Hopefully, we'll be able to start live streaming soon. I'm exploring new, more reliable options to make that happen because I was really looking forward to interacting with the audience during the show. But unfortunately, it didn't work out this time. Stay tuned. We're going to be going live soon, I promise. Special thanks to my friends over at Hemipages.com and DIY Hemi.com. They both have some really cool stuff happening right now and are making waves in the world of Mopar. So be sure to check those guys out and show them some love. There you have it, my friends. Another episode of Talking Mopars is in the books. For more information about this podcast or to listen and subscribe to the show, Please visit TalkingMopars.com and don't forget that you can send me your Mopar stories, questions, comments, complaints, suggestions, and everything else on your Mopar addicted mind to chris at TalkingMopars.com or leave me a voice message on my voicemail box at 209-28-MOPAR to hear yourself on the show. Before we go, I want to tell you guys about a great way to help support this podcast and that's by picking up some merch in the Talking Mopars merch shop. Not only can you get some cool Talking Mopars swag, but you're also helping me keep this show on the road. So if you'd like to help support the show, jump on over to talkingmopars.com and in the menu, click on Talking Mopars Merch and that will take you right to the shop. That's it, my friends. Until we talk again, I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars Direct Connections.
1: Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars,
0: your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.